Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? To listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Yo! I am pumped for this! I really liked, I really liked this episode that we're talking I about. I had so much fun. This episode rules, like, hard. <laughs> and... Didn't expect it because this, this season has been a real hit or miss. So I was kind of like, uh, but hot damn, they really pulled this off. Yeah. <laughs> I did not remember it being this good, honestly. No, I definitely didn't either because I remember sort of the main ideas of Man Spider stuff, but I didn't remember the actual specific story of Man Spider stuff. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't remember all of these pieces being incorporated together all at once. So yeah. I'm impressed, especially considering some of our uh, critiques from the immediately preceding two episodes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, this really is like the the culmination of serialized stuff that they have been leading up to and trying to do and not really been doing super well, but yeah. really like actually fully pulled it off this time. <sighs> um, It's just like it just feels like such a different episode than we've ever gotten before. It, it feels like it's really just playing with all of the pieces that they've had on the table or been trying to put on the table for so long. Yeah. And it all just works. Like, it's so satisfying. It makes me wonder if the introduction of pieces into a larger narrative is the thing that was sort of what they were stumbling over. Because once all the pieces were on the board, they they did nail it. Um, yeah. And I, I'll be curious to see if they run into similar challenges early on, or not early on, later in the season or series. But uh, for now, I guess that's kind of the only thing I can theorize. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense because they were kind of this in a weird way. I feel like the second season, looking back on it now, even though you know we're only like halfway through it, I guess, but right. it feels like it was it was had to be a little bit more of a reboot than probably future seasons will be, only mm-hmm. because. They were just now starting a completely new style of storytelling, essentially. So it's like it almost is like the same kind of like weirdness that you will get from a lot of first seasons of shows. But it's sort <laughs> of still like kind of kind of kind of uh, kind of weak in some points. They're still trying to figure stuff out. It's sort of like they've had a whole first season to do a lot of stuff, but they still weren't doing like what they needed to do mm-hmm. for this season. So they still had to almost like start from the beginning to start setting these pieces up and everything. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, well, I'm so excited. Yeah, and it's cool that we got this climax like in the middle of the season too. It's crazy. I yeah. want to talk. Let's, 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 let's talk about it because we don't yeah. even have a lot of like production notes in it. We can just do right, it. <laughs> right. Well, what are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about Spider-Man: The Animated Series, Season Two, Episode Eight, entitled "Neogenic Nightmare," Chapter Eight: 
Duel of the Hunters. Yes. <laughs> and the synopsis for this one per IMDb is Spider-Man has finally turned into a gigantic man spider. To help him, Dr. Crawford contacts Craven the Hunter. But will Craven get to Man Spider before the Punisher does? Mm-mm-mm. Hmm. The, original, the original air date for this episode was November 11th, 1995. Only got one credited writer, and that credited writer is a man we know very well named John Semper. Hey, John, you did well. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. You crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> this one doesn't have any characters introduced where like we mentioned all the pieces are already on the board yeah we know yeah. everyone yeah this, this we see craven for the first time in a while so that's he's greg Berger, right so uh if you want to hear more about him you can listen to the episode with mysterio and craven i think it's our episode four i want to say mm. but yeah he's back other than that it's just pretty much everybody that we've been playing with for the past like five six seven episodes yeah even some minor players that were introduced yeah. early on that they incorporate in very intelligent ways dude they do so much this episode does so much there's so much here and it's like not not in an annoying way like it's it's perfect it's so yeah. good yep yep i don't know is there i mean is there anything that we want to say before we just dive totally in uh just that it's good let's do it okay it's really good and it starts. <laughs> um, so this starts with a recap that pretty much just covers the last two episodes in a lot of detail. Um, so they had time to fill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can um, I tell you that I t- it took like multiple rewatches of this recap to figure out who said the previously on Spider-Man? Who is it? It's uh, it's a uh, Flash. Whoever voices Flash. Oh, yeah. It took me so freaking long because I mean, because you rarely ever hear him talk, and the way that he says it isn't really in his performative Flash voice. It's just sort of really natural, like high pitched voice. Yeah. And I was like, what random like intern or like <laughs> staff writer person did they just get? Like, hey, come in here to, the, to say say this line. But no, it was. It's. I'm pretty sure it's Flash. Yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. I uh, I definitely realized. I mean, I don't know how you would not realize, but I definitely noted that it was a different voice and was very confused by it. But I didn't uh, didn't immediately figure it out upon hearing anybody's voice and then didn't really do the detective work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Huh. All right. Flash. Cool moment. Yeah. Good good for you, dude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, the recap serves pretty much to remind us uh, that Spidey's DNA is on the fritz, that he grew more arms, that Morbius is now a vampire that the Punisher is chasing Spider-Man, and that at the end of the last episode, Spider-Man turned into a horrifying man-spider-monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does. So when this episode proper picks up, picks right up uh, where the last one left off. So it's in this, like, nondescript warehouse, as they often are in. <laughs> yep. The Punisher is confronted with the man-spider. Um, so we get our big, hearty look at, uh, at <laughs> the hairy, hairy man-spider. Mm-hmm. Fantastic design, yes. by the way, which uh, it's like the further mutated version of the six arm Spidey. That was we find out that that was essentially like the in between stage. And this is kind of like the end all be all uh, spider mutant stage that mm-hmm. he was going into. So he's got like six eyes. Um, he's got like actual like horns on him, like up to like on top of his head and like chomping pincers, like spider mandibles. Yeah. And like real, uh, real nutso claws <laughs> very intense <laughs> yeah i think he's got uh 
three like talony fingers on each yep. hand. <laughs> yeah, tal- they're yeah, they're like straight up talons. Yeah, what a what a my gosh! I wonder who. I wonder if there's anybody out there who's officially sort of credited as creating the man spider design or if we just sort of chalk it up to john semper or bob richardson would have been or, the character designer yeah oh that makes sense that makes sense yeah that's likely but it's it's so good and i the like the tattered spider spider-man costume yeah. bits on it are so brilliant it still like blows my mind to think that this was created on the show because it feels like such a iconic spider-man thing yeah that the that like that for even people who were super familiar with Spider-Man and grew up with it to be watching this and experience this for the first time man <laughs> yeah yeah it really does feel like the type of thing that would have been pulled from a comic book run of x number of issues and then boiled down to a couple episodes you know what i mean mhm so it you know i i was i was yeah i'm i'm in disbelief too i i triple checked like i was like okay now we're actually at man spider I got to be a thousand percent sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, yep. we've said it a bajillion times, but it is. It's yeah. just that hard to believe for some reason. I don't know why these are good think... people creating the show, but there's just something about it that feels so, so comic booky um, and so iconic. It feels like something right out of like the seventies, like a seventies era horror comic you know which makes i mean it makes sense because they're pulling from the this like six arm or four arm yeah six arm spider-man arc from the comics yeah they're just taking it to like kind of its natural conclusion that it never got taken to in the comics so it's so cool i just don't yeah it's just such a it's it's a design that seems really unique in a way that this show often is not yeah i think because the character designs on this show are definitely not often very good good like <laughs> they work within the confines of the show but yeah. like they're they're just kind of very standard 90s designs and this yeah. one it's just so creative and i mean i think you can tell you can tell the staying power that it has because it has been like imported to the comics in different ways and usually like in this design or a design very similar to it well and then it makes me wonder you know since this is such a brilliant idea i think did they end up doing sort of a retelling of this through the comics or is it sort of relegated to part of the wider multiverse and this is just something that happens in one of the universes addressed in the comic books you know i think there's a variation of it that happened in 616 but just not in this way like i think it's usually done more as like an homage to it huh where if like peter mutates into something or there's other i think there's another I cannot remember the life of like what that character's name is, but there's another character that exists separate from Peter Parker that is like a very similar design. I think that that is just something else like Spider, some dumb name, probably like Spider Killer or something like <laughs> something like that. But yeah. other, th- but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they've ever read like retold the Six Arm Saga story with this. It's so wild. It's so maybe that's what makes it so hard to believe is just knowing that there isn't the sort of like six issue or like year long arc of this all playing out. Yeah, because it all huh. feels like it just works. It all works so yeah. well. Like it, it feels like it's yeah. It was just such a genius move to be like, oh, if he's gonna grow a bunch of arms, maybe he's also going to you know grow hair and talons and mm-hmm. claws and pincers. Just be a spider. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in addition to his new physical form, 
he gains a creepy, horrifying power, which is spitting acid. <laughs> <laughs> which I guess makes sense. Spiders have venom that they use to dissolve stuff. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense, but uh, it's gross. And he uses it to <laughs> attack the Punisher um, and just sort of like generally rampages about this warehouse that they're in. In his attempts to actually shoot the Punisher with this acid, Man Spider hits a barrel of just generic flammable liquid. Sure. Setting the warehouse on fire, of course. <laughs> uh, doesn't blow it up, though. So that's that's uh, that's nice. Yeah, for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in the sort of like chaos, Punisher ends up finding Spider-Man's discarded mask. He grabs that and hangs onto it, put a pin in it, and calls for backup from his battle van. <laughs> I love battle van. I'm so glad it's back. I know, right? It does. It it does so much. It's it's its own character in this one. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he all he has to do is call for it, and battle van arrives just in time. Yeah. Right as Punisher has been webbed by Man Spider, and he, so the battle van is like through a, a series of technological gadgets that Punisher is able to like can call on. Um, it's it's able to to escape with Punisher inside. Mm-hmm. Man Spider, however, is spotted whipping away from the warehouse by a guy in a hard hat who is very very traumatized by this uh, experience, as yeah. we will see shortly after. Yeah, the first sort of like regular person to see this horrific monster, because like. <laughs> Punisher is the first person to see it, but Punisher is also like hyper violent, angry, and has probably seen shit, you know? Yeah. And there's context for it because he's just seen Spider-Man with a bunch of arms. So like, it's just kind of an escalation of that. <laughs> a random person, it's just like, you're going home from work. Oh, I'm God. tired. I just want to like go home and have some dinner, have some ice cream, have a beer. And oh, no, here's a spider nope. monster in the sky. Cool. <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> Uh, so Microchip calls the Punisher for an update, his ever um, ever doting boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Punisher says, I looked the devil square in the eyes and I blinked. It's dramatic, but I kind of like it. <laughs> Probably because he's the one delivering it. So it like works. <laughs> I think so. This episode is interesting because the writing is kind of, and I, this is going to sound like a negative thing, but I mean this like as neutrally as possible. The writing is really like self-indulgent uh, in, <laughs> in the dialogue because yeah. everyone is like quoting stuff. Everyone is saying like these dramatic, almost like Shakespearean lines and they're saying them to each other, but it, it, it works because it's Punisher and Craven talking to each other. So they're like yeah. the biggest possible personalities and egos. And it kind of makes sense that you're going to be spouting stuff and quoting the quoting the quotes or citing the quotes that you're that you're saying throughout mm-hmm. it because it happens a lot yeah and they're pretty established as being like dramatic like yeah. uh punishers over the top in at least some way mm-hmm. you know craven is over the top in every way so <laughs> them delivering dramatic lines is uh, it, uh-huh. it's easy to believe it's easy to stomach yeah yeah Well, back at the warehouse, the hard hat worker is describing Man Spider to a police sketcher who should absolutely not be a police (laughs) sketcher and be a comics penciler instead because, holy shit, the drawing (laughs) that he makes is not only perfectly accurate to this monster that this hard hat guy saw for like a moment, um, (laughs) but is well shaded, perfectly penciled, nicely composed, beautifully posed. Like, my God, this guy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just it's, needs a break you know he needs needs his break <laughs> it's literally just the concept art for the man spider like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's so funny <laughs> like yeah. i uh 
I want to <laughs> see like what the sketch would have actually looked like because it would have been hilarious. I know. I mean, <laughs> right, right, right. Because <laughs> how, how do you even describe it? And the guy uh, didn't have that good a look at him. So no, if this is utterly, I think maybe he's a mutant and and he does actually have mind reading powers. <laughs> Oh, God, that's terrifying to think about um, mind-reading mutants working for the police department. Oh, no. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, this is a little, like the weirdest possible job to have a mind-reader on is the police sketch artist, though. <laughs> I guess it's like maybe the most responsible position to put I think that so. person in, right? That's that's the safest one. I would rather yeah. have someone there than as like an interrogator or something. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Good call. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> So Detective Lee, woohoo, see her yeah. again for like three lines. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> she arrives and she puts out an APB on Spider-Man. So we see a newscast go out alerting the public. Um, and this is the this is the full little news story. It says, has Spider-Man mutated into some kind of man spider? Authorities are wondering if there's a connection between Spider-Man, the mysterious plasma draining disease afflicting New Yorkers, and stories of a frightening spider monster who's terrorizing the Empire State University campus. I just love that in universe, I this is just like nitpicky, but like they have this beautiful concept art of a man spider clearly in <laughs> clearly in a tattered Spider-Man costume. And they still have to say, <laughs> authorities wonder if there's a connection between Spider-Man yep. and the creature dressed in Spider-Man's costume. <laughs> that is a spider who Spider-Man yep. is named after. Yep. Yep. Because this is not a post-Spider-Verse world where simply wearing a Spider-Man costume doesn't make you obviously Spider-Man. <laughs> right, right. I do love this newscast, though. I think it's, it's a smart thing for them to do. And using the newscaster throughout the episode is a smart thing for them to do because they have so many pieces on the board that it's it does a good job pacedly reminding you of everything that's kind of coming along with you. Yeah. So it's a little like obvious what they're doing, but I think it's helpful um, enough that it's 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 good, you know, and it's not like they're they're necessarily being too heavy-handed making it sort of a mystery in a news story i think makes a lot of sense yeah well and if you consider that we normally have peter as a cipher and we're hearing his narration like kind of recapping us and keeping us up to speed on what's going on and we obviously don't have that here yeah it's a nice it's a nice substitute for that because no other character would be having the internal monologue that peter parker does or or would be involved in every step of the way that like peter normally is because everybody's kind of doing their own thing until they come together later so it's a nice way to keep everything kind of tied up yeah how weird is it that this is an episode without essentially without peter parker i love it like not because i want to see episodes without sure in it, but it's just i i love the the guts of it because it makes it so different immediately like he can't be the hero in the situation so they have to do something differently mm-hmm. so it ups the stakes because you don't really know like how like you really have no idea where this is necessarily going even when you know dr crawford would probably be working on a cure or something the way that all of that's going to come together and and get him cured like yeah. it's it's really unpredictable and it just makes it and i think that makes it so much more of an exciting ride throughout it i think that's why this episode is one of the reasons this episode is so engaging not only is it just well constructed and well paced and everything but like it's just so different and you and and the stakes are so much higher yeah you would know much better than i would but this feels like almost uh an accidentally ahead of its time version of the what if we made our main characters background characters for one episode yeah i don't know if they were doing that 
I know that there are some like notable examples of that in the past like half decade or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this feels like it was accidentally that, and I don't know if that was happening. Yeah, because I don't know if that was necessarily on the forefront of their minds, really, in this. It doesn't seem like it because they don't really take advantage of it so much. Um, or, like, overtly so, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that might have been a thing that was, like, starting to be a thing. <laughs> but <laughs> not as explicitly as it is now where they're pre- yeah. where that's, like, its own trope, essentially. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I don't know if it was intentional, but it works. Yeah, it works in that realm because you don't get any vocalization outside of screeching from man spider like we there and i would argue there are moments that are actually sort of ambiguous as to what is going through man spider's consciousness or to what degree his consciousness is even like really that like forward in his brain like how much is instinct and how much is thought and we don't get clarification so you know it's 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 kind of a fascinating thing to do with your main character it, not have him speak or do anything that, yeah. that tells us what's going on from his perspective yeah this episode rules it's so cool <laughs> it's so much cooler than i remember uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so dr crawford sees this newscast she immediately calls sergey urging him to come at once I have to question how long a plane trip from Africa to New York City takes, but I I don't know. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, that is true. Um, and one day, one day does pass between when she calls him and when he gets there. So theoretically, it could have been like a twenty four hour flight, and that's probably that's probably enough time to get over there. But yeah, I guess that's possible. I mean, it probably would be cutting it close, right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he has ways. <laughs> That's true. He could have rode on the back of a beautiful eagle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, back at their beautiful home together, uh, Microchip and Punisher <laughs> discuss their feelings and Man Spider. Uh, Microchip urges the Punisher to give up on the pursuit, telling him basically the job spiraled out of control. Um, the whole point of this job was to make Punisher more favorable in the public eye and to the, the authorities. And Microchip basically says, this is not your kind of fight. We get a very, very brief flashback. Hard to even call it that. It's more just like a flash of a scene. Yeah. Of a kite flying in the air. And Punisher responds that monsters are exactly what he's in it to fight. So Microchip basically agrees to like stand by his man mm-hmm. and support him and help him out in any way that he needs. And Punisher reveals that it's fine anyway because Man Spider has a tracer on him and you know they can rest for the time being. Mm-hmm. Microchip even like even tells him like, "Yeah, I'll do anything you want." <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I had to um, because I I knew we were going to be talking about Microchip again. Mm-hmm. I checked to make sure that they were not related in some way. Like, oh no. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> good, good. So my headcanon stands. Um, but when when I was rewatching, or not rewatching them, but like when I was watching these episodes and thinking about our last episode, I was like, I really hope that they're not like brothers and that's why he's his sidekick or something. Oh, God. I'm glad you thought about that. <laughs> they're not. Good, good. Uh, almost, a, almost a big faux pas there, but cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> the dangers of shipping exactly exactly (laughs) oh gosh i have a ship yep congratulations (laughs) thank you (laughs) so the next morning we get we check in with another group of supporting characters um this episode like is so good with just touching everybody yeah 
this the next morning, uh, Mary Jane wakes up at the Parker residence. When we last left them, she was there with May. They were trying to figure out like where Peter was. Aunt May tells her that that Mary Jane's been there like all night. She actually slept through the night. So Peter has completely disappeared, not shown up for I guess what's been now a full twenty four hours essentially, or close to it, maybe twelve hours. Yeah. Either way, uh, Aunt May says that she's going to report Peter's disappearance to the police, believing that his involvement with Spider Man might uh, be related to him not coming home. And Mary Jane, of course, insists on joining Aunt May. Yeah, yeah, which is which is nice. She, I think she says uh, something to the effect of, like, if anything happened to Peter, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> she says verbatim, like, I care for Peter. Yes. Which is such <laughs> an old school way to say that. But She sure. also, she has a couple old school written lines, because there's also, mm-hmm. like, uh, what does she say, like, if Peter's in danger, I must know. <laughs> yes. There's the thing she calls Harry later, like, a br- you brave fool. Like, are you? Who's like, writing her? <laughs> yeah, like, somebody from, like, the 1940s? <laughs> oh, it's so goofy. But uh, but I like that they're involving her. And I actually, yeah. this is, this is like, finally the appropriate amount of concern from Aunt May. Like, yes. both saying, like, he didn't come home. And that is weird. Even though he comes home late, he still comes home. Mm-hmm. And I do really like whenever her concern actually has to do with his working around or with Spider-Man. That makes sense. So that was a good good way to actually write her concern as opposed to the sometimes silly explanations in place of what would be normal explanations we get. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It works. I like I like the balance of Aunt May here. If she stays at this level, yep. I'm cool with it. Stay I here, right Please. here, Aunt May. Don't freak out that he needs to take a bath again. Yes. <laughs> well, we are. This is this is jumping ahead to something that doesn't happen. So I guess it doesn't really matter to say it. We don't in this episode get the scene where like Peter is all better and she like gives him soup or something. Yeah. You know, like we don't get that, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I imagine the next one. The, because I'm curious what I don't I, I don't remember much of the next couple of episodes, so I'm curious yeah. like what his explanation is going to be. It's going to be something that makes him look like a jerk. I'm sure. Like I was just following Spider Man all night and didn't feel like calling anybody. But... I'm I was wondering if we'll even get one, but you're, we probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to ruin his own life as usual. <sighs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so good stuff happening. Craven arrives back in New York. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> he rides back in New York to meet Dr. Crawford. So she reveals to him that she's developed an antitoxin that must be delivered to Spider-Man soon to be certain that he doesn't, like, remain this man spider forever. It might be permanent. So better get it to him fast. Yes. 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 I, I like uh, that they explain him being in his comic booky Craven costume, despite not being the Craven, like the crazed Craven supervillain, yeah. by calling it his ceremonial hunting garb. Yes. Yes. What does she? What does she ask? Did you bring it with you or something yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, like, was a lion hunt without his mane? <laughs> you do, you buddy. All right. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to complain if you're wearing your like half shirt. Right. Exactly. Like it's fine. It's fine. Well, we get, okay, so I, I mentioned, I think probably the last time we spoke or a couple times ago, the CGI is getting better, yeah. I think. And I, I did check, actually, since we last brought this up, the company that did the CGI does not exist any longer. <sighs> they they basically only did this. Uh, this okay. is like the only animation they ever did. Um, but I think, oh, I wish I had written this down. I think they might have done like 
a video game or something like that. Like hmm. something something to that extent. But this is really their only CGI animation romp. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, we don't have, we can't sit there and say like, maybe it was a company that was figuring things out. Um, <laughs> but they were figuring things out because these get a lot better. And the reason I'm bringing this up in the first place is because we get a super, super prominent um, <laughs> sequence of animation where we basically do like the equivalent of a fast travel yeah. where they like they pull up from where Sergey and Dr. Crawford are into the CGI city and then like fl- quote fly over the city and then drop down to our next location. Mm-hmm. It's like it's corny because all the CGI to an extent is corny and sort of out of place. Yeah. But given what we we can kind of assume that they are trying to accomplish with it, it's actually pretty good and and as, if they're going to use the CGI, I'd rather they use it for things like that um, than doing too much weird splicey stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's true. I'll give them points for kind of accomplishing something that I'm, I'm, I think is a better use than what we've seen almost entirely before this. Like Aunt May walking up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, even though that was a cool yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I yeah, I'm I'm being too hard on it. I, cause it did. This one does go on a long time, and I did out yes. loud say, "Please stop!" at one point because it goes on for a long time and it's very fast. Well, it's but... it's a thing that doesn't need to cycle, and it does cycle. Like just cut yeah. out one of the cycles, two of the however many, just do it once, yeah, and then land where you're gonna land. But to your point, there are, there are points later in this episode where they just use the CGI for cool backgrounds, like for, for cool angles that, that would have been really hard to animate otherwise. Yeah. Like I do think, yeah, it's used for some creative stuff and especially like this episode, especially the last like half of it is mm-hmm. really, really, really well animated. And yeah. I think that they do utilize the CGI about as well as they probably possibly could in 1995 Yeah, for what they're doing. Well, and in considering they're integrating flat animation and, and three-dimensional animation, which yeah just in general like there are there are it's hard to do now let alone in 1995 you know that's true so um i'm glad that they are figuring out what works for them i think Mm. whenever they want to do something cool with the camera experiment away that's true yeah just just swinging through the city leave it at home (laughs) yeah as long as you're not doing something boring as long as you're trying to do something new like kudos for making the attempt Absolutely. No matter what. (laughs) So where that fast travel CGI sequence took us was back at Punisher and Microchip's base where they pack up the battle van with weapons and equipment with very, very, very like gigantic missile launchers. They are so big. Like missile launchers taped to missile launchers. It's wild it's literally like what the toy would look like if it was filled with like nerf the little like nerf pellets yep it's 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 uh it's a lot (laughs) the weapon that the punisher's actually putting into the van has like eight barrels yeah what What is that what are you gonna do like is (laughs) man spider isn't a building like what do you you... (laughs) i don't know I have no. I, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to see that specific weapon in action. <laughs> I know. I like. What does it do? It probably like does. It's not even missiles. It probably is like. I don't know. It is like water like, gun. Water gun. Yeah, they're just the the tips are actually just filled with water. They're little water <laughs> balloons. So they just pop. He's like, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like water. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, got to be prepared. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 
microchip does like <laughs> call this out a little bit because you know these are lethal weapons he's mm-hmm. going to be using lethal force they don't actually like say that at all in this episode but it's thank still goodness funny. the concept carries over yes and he's like ah, this is your this is overkill i still think you're in over your head punisher claims however that he never gets tired so microchip uh. says microchip says that he can't quit if Frank doesn't quit because someone's got to keep you alive. Oh, There's no way they're not boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's all the boyfriends. head over heels. Microchip is head over heels for Punisher. And I At think, the very least. And I think the feeling is mutual. Punisher <laughs> just has a big wall and can only let him in but so much until yeah. he deals with his issues. <sighs> it's my favorite trope the sunshine one and the grumpy one uh-huh yeah, although it's... microchip i don't know if he's sunshiny he's a little sad but he's sad for a reason yeah he's sad because the grumpy the grump is like over grumping it like <laughs> yeah, the balance is a little much. the balance is a little bit off like yeah. there's grumpy and there's like being homicidal like there's a difference <laughs> yeah true true <laughs> <laughs> But either way, after that little very, very uh, sweet exchange, Punisher drives off in his other boyfriend, the battle van, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to track. Polly. <laughs> He's Polly, yeah. To track Man Spider. Yes. Well, we cut to another location and some more characters, but this never feels overstuffed, I should say. Yeah. We cut to Felicia's apartment, and outside Felicia's apartment, Morbius is sort of looking on and pondering what he needs to do to save both himself and protect Felicia because he's constantly wrestling with the sort of classic vampire-y thing of like, I hunger, but I hurt people, but I hunger, but I hurt people. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get what I think is by far the best integrated CGI animated scene we've seen to this point where Morbius flies away. It's almost easy to not notice that they're doing it. Almost. Which which I think is good. Yes. (laughs) I think that's a good sign. Well, that's that's what you want to do, right? Like, it's not like, I don't know, you're not trying to make CGI look like the flat animation, but you don't want it to be distracting from the subject on screen. Mm-hmm. So if what you're noticing is like Morbius is there and this is a cool angle, period, like it worked, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's never 100% with the show, but it's very very good i was yeah. i was applauding <laughs> i was like yeah they're figuring it out yes yes <laughs> and you know what it's only season two so maybe maybe it gets better maybe Ugh. it gets better i hope it does i'm actually kind of does. excited to see where they go with it if they continue to pursue it yeah because they're yeah. on track to do cool things yeah as long as you'd use it for the right stuff like yes. for the right shots you can make it work even though even when it's cheap and it's never going to hold up and that's fine Right. As long as you can like kind of tell what they're doing and it's not taking you out of the scene, that's what matters. Yes. What does take me out of the scene? <laughs> <laughs> that dopey picture of Michael that Felicia's got, you get a big close up of it. And yep. oh man, I can't not laugh at it. It's it's such a silly picture of him. It's like looks even better because it's like full open mouth, like profile. <laughs> it's just great. It's this great. is what girls do is that they gawk and swoon over headshots of their vampire boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, not far off. Some I'm sure do, but you know. <laughs> it's just funny because, like you said the last time we talked about this, like who has a headshot like that? What normal random person just has headshots? Right. Like, Hanging out, like ready to give to people. <laughs> My only wait, guess, wait, you know, wait, wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh god! Wait, what if that's actually Michael Morbius's like senior photo from high school? Yeah. 
<laughs> and he gave it to Felicia because that's the only photo he had. Because <laughs> he doesn't like photos, which is meant to be a reference to vampires <laughs> often not being able to be seen in a reflection or in uh, photos. Whoa, you cameras. just took it next level. There we go. There we go. It's so level. It was all intentional. Dang. They were just waiting for us to do a podcast 30 years later to pick yeah, it up. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. We won. We solved it. All right. Podcast over. Bye. <laughs> well, it's not over, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Don't celebrate yet. <laughs> <laughs> like Shortest episode yet. <laughs> because we get more stuff. So back at ESU, uh, Man Spider enters a lab through a window. Lots of traveling through windows in this episode. Mm-mm. And when he's in the lab, he flashes back to a time when he was still Peter Parker and was helping Dr. Connors develop and test the Neogenic Recombinator. He grabs the Neogenic Recombinator and sort of like waves it above his head like a monster. And this is one of two times where we're sort of just left to fill in blanks. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the clues we get as to whether or not Peter Parker is still in there in some way. Um, this one at least lets us know, like, yes, there is some semblance of Peter Parker still floating around in Man Spider's brain. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say whether or not that's something that's, like, a conscious element of Man Spider that's just being massively clouded by the fact that he's a monster, or if it's a sort of new consciousness with like these weird memories floating around Mm -hmm. and we don't get clarification. And I actually think that's kind of cool. Yeah. But what we do know is that something draws him there Mm -hmm. and something draws him specifically to the recombinator. So at the very, very least they like force us to pose the question to ourselves, how much Peter Parker is in there. Here's what I think, what I, what I was reading from it when I was watching it, I still, I think intentionally it was ambiguous, Yeah. but I sort of read it a lot as, the things that are driving Man Spider the most seem to be the things that were like at the forefront of Peter Parker's head at the time that he transformed. Because the things that he was most mm. stressed out about at that at those moments, essentially, other than like, you know, fearing for his life or whatever, was solving his genetic mutation yeah. and like stopping Michael Morbius. And the main things that like the main actions that man spider takes that aren't for either survival or for like just being shocked into recognizing a face and then running away um, are going after the neogenic recombinator and going after Michael Morbius. So I think like man spider, I think like man spider is Spider-Man's mind. It's just like almost condensed to like whatever his most primal thoughts were at that time. So like, I mean, obviously, that the, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because those are the there's like he's not he's not going out and like trying to feed or anything like he's not doing like animalistic stuff. Yeah, he's you know, the only times that he's even actually being like actively aggressive is when he's defending himself against other people. He's never really attacking anyone that isn't attacking him first. Mm-hmm. And any time it seems like he is, it's always like a misunderstanding. So like the only actions that he takes are ones that are relevant to Peter Parker. And I think that that's. I think that that's a big clue that Peter is a little more in control than we're kind of led to believe in general. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, especially when you sort of take out all the external factors and just boil down, like, what is Man Spider doing when somebody's not shooting him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
it's just it's so weird because we don't get the internal monologue that we normally would get (laughs) yeah yeah and i'm so glad we didn't because they they could have easily done it but they but they chose correctly yeah, well, I would he's say. still he's still like sympathetic, right? Like even even though we yeah. don't have a, like an internal monologue of Peter feeling sorry for himself, like we see all these moments where like he seems to be remembering what he was, or like like in a in in a couple of scenes, like he actually like actively saves people, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He's still like kind of chased off, you know. Anyway, so it's like it's he's it's it's a it's a sad story without needing to be told that it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's even a sad face at one point. So yeah, we know that yeah. he he's feeling things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So when he grabs the recombinator, he knocks over a bunch of equipment um, in the process or just in the lab in general because he's sort of big and hulky. Um, and Deborah, who just happens to be working late, hears the commotion and decides to sort of check it out. Um, but she doesn't get super far because she ends up seeing Man Spider Shadow and intelligently i would say runs out of the building <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she runs directly into flash thompson mm-hmm. who is a weird level of dick to her <laughs> <laughs> yes. like it's not he's not just being a dick he's being like he he like brushes her off like that basically he does like kind of that old school like you're being a hy- you're being hysterical yeah but like he calls her lady multiple times like hey lady <laughs> yeah. even though they're both like 19 uh-huh. I think. <laughs> uh-huh. that's weird he calls he also calls her beaker brain yeah <laughs> again to someone who's like clearly freaked out <laughs> like flash man what do you what do you what's up What's up, buddy? It's like on-brand stuff for Flash if he were interacting with somebody who wasn't very obviously panicked. Right. Like, these are all things you'd say, sure, but, like, why are you being terrible to this woman who's screaming for help? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I I guess the only thing that I could guess is, is, is what they bring up next is... That like because I think Deborah mentions the man like that it maybe it's the man mm-hmm. spider thing and that's when he kind of refutes that the man spider either it isn't real or has nothing to do with Spider Man because it's part of Bugle's anti Spidey propaganda yeah and that's when he calls her Beaker Brain <laughs> which is annoying <laughs> but the, the only explanation that I could glean from that is that maybe because he is such a Spider Man fanboy like he's very emotionally wrapped up in it so that's his emotions are high because his hero is being like completely like, smeared at a whole other more whole other level than he normally is and so he's just like on a hair trigger maybe it doesn't excuse him being mean to a panicked woman but i don't know, know. he's also a dick like i don't need like yeah. a map you know like he's, that's true this isn't a version of flash that we've yet been meant to really identify with so that's a good eh. point <laughs> <laughs> good point but I like that he's still, you know, super pro Spidey. I, that's always one of my favorite things about Flash. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's silly at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what's what's cool about this, uh, it, it ends up sort of turning from Flash being a dick to Deborah to Deborah realizing, like, wait a second, I can I can manipulate this guy. I know exactly who he is <laughs> and what he's about. She confirms, like, wait, aren't you Flash the football player? And he's like, yeah. And she's basically like, okay, well then, what are you scared of? Like, why are you being chicken, basically? And that's all it takes. That's all it takes to get him to help her out. <laughs> and it works.
works. So he goes inside. See what's up. Yep, yep, yep. They do. So they investigate the lab. Find the window open, but no man spider. So Flash is like, ooh, you're just scared of the wind. And they insult each other because that's just like what people do on this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we haven't had a ton of that lately. So I guess yeah. they had uh they had to make up for it. Yeah, Deborah <laughs> actually like because Deborah does it a lot and Flash does it a lot. So pairing them together, it's kind of weirdly perfect actually because they are just going to constantly like be jabbing off of each other. Yeah. Essentially, this is basically like a rom com, mute cute, where yeah. they're like, we hate each other, but actually we're going to fall in love because we're weirdly perfect for each other. Yeah, and the way that they just like. <laughs> the way that they bicker and the way that they're just mean to everyone around them constantly actually makes them perfect for each other. Yeah, they'd kiss in the 90s. Uh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as they're taking jabs, it's another instance of a person just talking in a conversation and then literally sprinting away. <laughs> yep. Yep. Flash like tells her that science is bad for people, which is dumb. <laughs> and so, or bad for your brain, I think he says. And she He's says, an how would you know? He's an yep. anti-vaxxer probably. Oh no. <laughs> Flash, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she basically says, how would you know football players don't, or jocks specifically don't have brains and then dashes. <laughs> Good one. Nailed it. <laughs> Nothing like running away after slinging your insult. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I hope this show never stops doing that. I need more people to just sprint after after oh. a mic drop. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Way more of that. <laughs> Integrate it into real life, please. Well, you know what it is? Cecily was being xenophobic and Peter ran away from it. And Flash was being anti-science. So Deborah ran away from that. So that all makes sense. These are people I'd run away from, too. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> either way, either way, Flash finds some webbing on the lab windowsill, which of course is suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, outside, Man Spider attempts to approach a redhead that he thinks is Mary Jane. This is where we end up getting sad Man Spider, and it is actually very sad. Yeah. But it's not it's not her. So she runs off and she's screaming and we get this really devastating split second moment. I wish that they had lingered on it just a little bit longer of like actual sad eyes man spider. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, no, my heart's breaking for yeah. six armed, monstrous, horned, mandible man spider. He's Aww. a sweetie. He's a big sweetie. Yeah. He just needs a hug. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. actually, <laughs> no Probably one tried. really good hugs. Yeah, he gives fantastic hugs, I bet. <laughs> so the Punisher witnesses uh, witnesses this go down, and he launches himself from his battle van to intercept this being man spider. <laughs> Literally launches himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's great. He is equipped with an acid-proof shield, a grapple gun, and his new and improved spood shooter. Uh, he even calls it out. His his goop is way stickier than before. <laughs> <laughs> But but with all this stuff, Punisher is able to to restrain the man spider on a nearby rooftop. I think it's with this. I feel like it's with this fight sequence because I feel like the earlier earlier half of the episode is like reasonably animated. But then like from the Flash Deborah stuff yeah. onwards, especially with this fight sequence, it's like all hands on deck, top tier animation pretty much throughout the whole rest of the episode. Yeah, um, and it's like on point. Really, really good stuff. And. Honestly, like most things that involve Man Spider end up being very well done. Yes. They do cool lighting stuff. They do cool uh, action stuff. They do cool sort of like just general frames (laughs) of him. Yeah. 
it's it's really good. Yeah, Very there's good so many so many just cool screenshots like that you can use. I wish the show was like in more HD mm-hmm. to get like better caps of it. But man, there there's so many good poses and good little like frames that look like they're pulled right out of a comic panel from a comic that doesn't exist, which is so cool. That's probably part of it too. It yeah. looks comic-y. Like just literally the way that they shade and shadow him looks yeah. comic booky. Yeah, because I guess because they they they're trying to go for more of a horror aesthetic with this, obviously. Yeah, and I guess that's going to yield more shading than they normally do on this show, which isn't like flat or anything, but definitely like a very bright show most of right. the time. But they can't do that with him. This all ta- always takes place like in rain and night and in shadows and the man spider is always like creepily in the background. And I'm sure part of that (laughs) is so they, they don't have to like always draw his full body all the time, but like it ends up giving this really great effect and really great aesthetic. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, like it just feels like how it would be drawn in a heavily inked and shaded comic book. Yeah. Ugh. So good. <laughs> oh, this rocks. We oh my love god, Man I love Spider. This. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> well, the Punisher briefly manal- monologues. The Punisher briefly <laughs> monologues about saving innocent people from monsters like Man Spider. And I don't know why I said it like that. He doesn't say those words. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we see a slightly longer version of the kite flashback from before ooh, that dude, this ooh, ooh, it's so good. It's oh. so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> go off <laughs> okay no but like i love how they do it because it's so again so not so unlike this show yeah because the way that they the way so we've seen the flash of the kite before and just a yes. little flash it's just a yellow kite floating in the sky but this time the way that they do it is they have him flash to it again but then flash to it over and over again like in rapid succession mm-hmm. which i did not i did not expect at all i mean this is a show that always does like the the dream ripple effect whenever there's a flashback. Yeah. So like it's it's almost like it's kind of shocking when it doesn't do that. But like and it kind of gives it a lot more of the the PTSD type of vibe. Yeah. Where it's just sort of like he is actually like his brain is like transporting back to that awful moment that he had. Mm-hmm. So it flashes rapidly to that moment and then because obviously they can't explicitly show or s- spell out that his family is like gunned down in a park, you just hear like terrified screams and sounds and see the the kite fall into a puddle and then in the water in the puddle forms a a screaming sad crying face in the kite it's i can't like i it's genius (laughs) and it's like horrible like it's it's, yeah it's it's i don't know man it's just really devastating it's devastating and i just i i think it's not like it's i guess it's not if you saw this in a movie, it would be kind of like, oh, that's a little like ham-fisted. Like that's kind of on the nose. But I think for this cartoon, it just works so well because it's such a weirdly like kind of off-putting standout moment that just is like it's so much more artful than anything that they ever do and yeah. so much more like nuanced. I don't know who came up with that idea because <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> – it just like almost doesn't fit into the show, which I yeah. guess makes sense because it's – for Punisher, who is very much a character that doesn't really work within the world of the show unless he's doing what he's doing in these episodes. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. I just was, like, kind of blown away by that. Yeah, no, it's 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 really, really good. Um, and I didn't even think about the sort of, like, flashing back and forth thing as sort of, like, a, a way to represent it as trauma. That I, I really dig that. It makes a lot yeah. more sense. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we did it. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, it's not. Not yet. There's still more. <laughs> this is too much. There's, uh, I really, I think this is my favorite episode of the show. Wow. It's really, I just really dig it. It's so, <laughs> okay, keep, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Um, so just, uh, just before the Punisher can actually deliver any sort of finishing blow or probably presumably shot because he's holding a gun to man spider the gun is knocked from his hands by craven the hunter yes enter craven and basically punisher's like who in the world are you why are you here what is going what are you wearing and does actually just ask straight up like who are you and craven instead of actually introducing himself is like someone who does not need barbaric weapons to hunt <laughs> all right buddy <laughs> i love yes. it ah, okay <laughs> ah, this is too much for me <laughs> <laughs> Derek is overwhelmed <laughs> by characters <laughs> by storytelling by <laughs> filmography <laughs> or cinematography yeah that one <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah they are grappling each other sorry grappling with each other <laughs> while they're doing that man spider's like okay I'll let them have their moment mm-hmm. <laughs> he sees Morbius because there's just so much happening in this episode. Yep. He sees Morbius enter a window into a nearby building and he's like, mm, I know my I know my Morbius. I need to I need to stop him. The window he enters actually belongs to Deborah. Um, so Morbius uh, asked Deborah to help him. Because um, remember, they did have like a, a friendship and a relationship when he was first introduced. Yeah. So he does like want her to help him. But then I think he's sort of overtaken by his impulses before they can really do any sciencing. So he's like, nah, I got to drain your plasma. And Deborah's I forget what her voice actor's name is, unfortunately. But her screams, oh, my God. Very good. Intense. So good. Yeah. They're like, they're like Scream Queen, like 70s horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And and she does it a lot. Like, like she does it a lot. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you have that scream, why not? Yeah. Use it, man. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Flash Thompson breaks in just in time, having heard her terrified screams, pushes her out of the way. But like, (laughs) it helps, I guess. But she pushes her into a shelf that falls on her immediately. So like, Uh okay, but not great. Like C plus attempt, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you didn't get your plasma drained, um, but we did break your back. So a win? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but you get a cool moment where Flash tries to punch Morbius. Yeah, and Morbius just catches it, and he has like the most badass face on him, like just totally stoic. Morbius is like a gross ass character most of the time, yeah. but when he's badass, he is pretty badass, and I do like him in the sequence because he just like catches his fist and then like rips off Flash's sleeve and immediately starts draining him. Yeah, no, no, uh, no hesitation there. Yeah, so. Man Spider, in the meantime, has managed to escape from the Punisher's glue using his acid spit. Ooh. Gross. And <laughs> confronts Morbius in the lab. So in this moment, Man Spider recognizes Flash through a flashback and has some kind of reaction. This, I think, is the more ambiguous of the two sort of like sure. Man Spider flashback moments. And I'm very curious to know what your impression was because I. With with 
with Peter Parker in there, but having sort of the body and the strength. And I think what we're sort of to understand as like impeded sort of cognition to some degree, recognizing Flash, who's someone he doesn't like, and we haven't gotten right any sort of like reconciliation between those characters. Right. I'm not totally sure if that's a good thing for him to recognize more or if it's bad for Flash that he's being recognized. <laughs> I, well, because the memory that he has, the flashback that he has of Flash. is confusing. They, well, they because they particularly just make it one of him just like smiling. So like it's not yeah. like in any actual like scene from him interacting with Peter from the show. Which is why I feel like the impression is that, like, he's just recognizing that it's someone that he knows. And it's just like, oh, these are people and I don't want to hurt people. Because, like, that's that's the thing that, that I noticed when in my last, like, rewatch of it was that, like, he's never really... Like, it doesn't look like he's about to, like, slice through Flash. Like, he only is on top of him for, like, chasing... Because he was just chasing off Morbius. And then he, like, runs over... I, like, it almost looked like he was actually just, like, checking on Flash, which mm. maybe I'm, like, reading too much, like, sympathy into him and empathy into him. But I I took it as it's not that that memory was, like, stopping him from doing anything negative or would be causing him to do anything negative. I think it was literally just, like, if it was a random bystander, he, nothing would have triggered in his head. He would have just left. But because it's someone he recognized, that's just cluing something in his head. Like, oh, wait, I'm starting to remember more explicitly my past life, not just the stuff that I was doing at that moment you know what though i think i think now that we're talking about it and now that i'm sort of seeing it from your perspective and how you have been thinking about it it sounds like i think what's happening is i've watched the episode in the way that in the universe people were seeing man spider as opposed to watching the episode with Peter Parker as my protagonist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it ends up creating kind of the same reaction and incorrect assumptions, probably, that the people in the universe are having. Right. So there's really not anything anything telling us that Man-Spider is villainous in any way other than the way people are reacting to him and the way that he looks. And I've just sort of been, like, along with all of those people and reactions, which might just actually be really brilliant storytelling for this episode. <laughs> I, yeah, I think so, because I don't think either I don't think either reading like doesn't make the episode work. Like, I think you read him as a villain episode works. It's like a horror movie, like just yeah. creature feature. You read it like he's he's just like trapped in this in this crap situation and everyone's misunderstanding him. I think it still works just as solidly because he's never doing anything that seems like un, like unnecessarily aggressive to anyone or unnecessarily villainous or mean like i feel like if man spider ran into mariah the first person that he ran into was mariah crawford and she's like here's a toxin like i think i don't think he would have attacked her or anything i think it would have just been fine he would have been like oh that's me one human again like i I don't (laughs) like i don't think he has any any motivations that are really separate from what peter's motivations were initially yeah, no, that makes so much sense. I think they reference Frankenstein at some point in this episode, and that's very much what's going on. Like, it's mm-hmm. just nobody knows what it is, and so no one's giving him any sort of chance, and it just ends up getting... He doesn't end up getting more aggressive. He's just reacting to the way that people are aggressive to him. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think it works, too, if you see it through, like, how the episode portrays or how we're supposed to see, like, Punisher, like, at, at the end point, like, Punisher gets called out for his shit, essentially, yeah. of, like, being of being too aggressive. And it's sort of like, if you take it as Punisher was 
was being the aggressor the entire time and kind of constantly pushing man spider to do what was perceived as violent acts like yeah. i think that that works really well into the man spider is the protagonist <laughs> like mm-hmm. version of the story yeah especially given the way that this jumps ahead but just the way that peter reacts to seeing the punisher right once he's peter again so exactly yeah, no, that does that yeah that ties up very nicely yes yes huh yeah mm, this is exciting i'm gonna watch this episode again when we're done yeah it's a great it's a good one it's a great episode you know what's also great too even as he's a spider monster yeah. i notice this in this scene he still is like drawn with a really nice butt so perfect. I, I actually, I accidentally paused on um, like a butt <laughs> shot of Man Spider, and I just sort of like chuckled and was like, <laughs> "Man yep. Spider butt." <laughs> yep, I'm here for it. I'd yeah. still give him a little kiss. I think he's nice. I like it. Yeah. Well, we've established he would not attack you. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would like he'd be a great hugger, and he'd be very like warm at night. Yeah. Like all the fur and arms. Like he'd be a great big spoon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here for it. I think he shouldn't have transformed back, actually. <laughs> now there's the take. <laughs> uh-huh. My, there's, there's Derek's hot take. What if yes. this whole episode was written for Derek, actually? I think it, that's probably it, yeah. The pieces are all falling into place. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, make sure you write your handwritten thank you letter to John Semper. I will. I will. And he'll be like, this is creepy and <laughs> and file a restraining order. Perfect. (laughs) Hello, amazing friends. We'd just like to take a minute to give a special thank you to our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole and Katie. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have three different tiers that you can opt into, the first of which is our $1 tier where you get early access to episodes, a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes such as our Spider Bite mini-episodes, you get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, and you get your own random villain alter ego. If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30, where if you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. Well, after that flash flashback, that flashback, (laughs) if you um, will, um, Felicia sounds the fire alarm in the building, which successfully drives Man Spider away um, because it's loud and monsters don't like loud noises. Mm -hmm. Oh, not Felicia, Deborah. Deborah. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't catch that until like many seconds after you said that anyway. I didn't catch it at all. So they're both blondes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's that's a reasonable explanation for my <laughs> terrible mistake. <laughs> well, 
in his escape, he swings by the roof where the Punisher and Craven are still sort of grappling with one another. And Craven decides this is an opportune moment to lecture the Punisher. <laughs> and I'm just going to read it as is because it is it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> I, I think he yeah. says on television, they say you are a vigilante who thinks he is above the law. It is written that a man may build himself a throne of bayonets, but cannot sit on it. Give up this hunt. It's not about good or bad. It is about life. Yeah, it's this is like the self-indulgent stuff that I was talking about before, because it's it's the kind of stuff that like it's think it sounds a little more a little deeper and smarter than it actually is. But I will yeah. say I'm pretty I think. Yes, I think the bayonets line. I think that is referencing a quote. I don't think I the quote figured is exactly it was. That. I think that's something where like you buy you can't buy buy ban- buy a throne of bayonets or something or something it's something it's the same kind of vibe that I think mm-hmm. he's like just paraphrasing but <laughs> in context and especially cuz this is one of the few times that he doesn't cite where he's getting a quote from it it just sounds kind of weird and I like both like and also am confused by the end of it where it's like it's not about good or bad it's about life cuz like I kind of get it in terms of the Punisher because the Punisher's whole vibe is that he's always going after people who are who he believes are like the bad guys and the mm. criminals and everything so it's like well this is different than that it's like a gray area I guess so I like that part of it that he's just like this is not a this is not one of those black and white things like this is a this is just more complicated just like life is but it doesn't really fit much into what he was just saying before it so yeah i don't think that the good and bad it's about life thing connects in any way to what he was saying before (laughs) and i i still don't even think i get it like i still don't even think i fully understand i think the most i could pull out of it is that maybe it's a this is sort of a clunky way of putting these pieces together because he says give up this hunt so then is he saying that this hunt isn't about good or bad so he's Hmm. telling the punisher that like like the hunt itself is about saving lives or about life or about like preserving life but Hmm. the punisher is doing it out of judgment like he's judging the intentions so it's not about that it should like i feel like the actual lesson part that craven is putting out there is hard to identify in the way that he says it but that's sort of what i pulled from it yeah, I is think that, that that's the closest. Because they do sort of pit them, like like the title pits them as two different kinds of hunters. Sure. And Craven explicitly says, like, revenge is a foolish reason to hunt. He's about to say that. So the most I can pull out of it is just Craven using these sentiments at the end to criticize Punisher's intention for doing something Craven doesn't necessarily think is the wrong outcome. Mm-hmm. But the way that he's going about it or the reason he's doing it is going to cloud his ability to do it properly. I guess so. But like, he... Craven's only brought on because do- like Dr. Crawford is like, we need you to stop Man Spider. Yeah. So for Craven, it's about like helping people. Right. Right. I don't really know how that fits into like an overarching Craven as a hunter thing. And I but... know he's no longer a bad guy. But I guess, like, if you the, – the idea of when you're hunting, like mm. – Like, Craven used to be a sport hunter. <laughs> like, that's why he <sighs> hunted Spider-Man. Granted, right. that was, like, bad Craven. But even then, like, sport hunting – okay, this is, like, a weird way to put it. But, like, sport hunting or hunting of any time. And if you're just, like, hunting animals – Yeah. 
I don't really believe in hunting for sport, but yeah. theor- in jet, like theoretically, it's a neutral thing because you're not. It's not a thing. You're not hunting. You're not hunting a deer because it's bad. You're hunting it because that's just life. I think is what he's saying. Oh, so like, okay. okay. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. so his version of the hunt is just like this. It's not a helping people versus hurting people thing necessarily. So it's a little bit part of it, I guess, for him in the scenario. But I think in general, it's like. I'm hunting things because that's just how the world works because things just get hunted sometimes. But like you're doing it for these really particular reasons that don't necessarily work in every situation. And in this case, that's not a valid reason for being a hunter because there's no bad here. You know what I mean? It's still a little, it's a little muddy. And like, I think that it's kind of, it's, this is one of those cases where I don't know if they necessarily needed to try to, like spell out what their theme is because this is an episode that doesn't really need like an extra theme between them. I think you really, you see the contrast between them or the juxtaposition between them pretty clearly. And a lot of this, a lot of the, the, the story, the uh, episodes like narrative kind of hinges on the Punisher's arc a little bit. So mm-hmm. like this stuff is a little bit unnecessary, but I don't, I don't think it hurts it or anything. And I don't really mind it. Like I like what they're trying to go with. Just the, uh, I don't the know. nuanced, I like kind of the gray area, I guess, of it. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm quite there with you in that it doesn't hurt things because I think it is. I think it does confuse things. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is because Craven is no longer like a bad guy, mm-hmm. so the sort of like uh, I don't know though. This is. Mm, but it's not about it's, good or bad. It's about life. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then what what um so Craven is there just to help Dr. Crawford basically. He's he's been called in for a favor. Sure. How I guess that... you could also you could also argue <laughs> that he's helping Spider-Man because help, Spider-Man helped get him cured too though. So, like there's that... nothing to say that he wouldn't have done this if he just happened to be in town, you know. Yeah. So, so and that's fine. That all makes sense. That's that that is fine. But then I think this lecture doesn't really matter or make any sense. Like Craven can just be drawn in for that reason. So for him to be a character that's sort of like putting the Punisher back on track with these specific sort of like sentiments, mm-hmm. I, something about it just doesn't connect to me because I I think it's it's complicating something that was totally fine. Especially yeah. if you believe that he's doing it to help Doctor Crawford and to help Spider Man. Sure, sure. I don't know. It, it's Unless the the the. I know that that Craven's thing is the hunt, mm-hmm. but if he's already been sort of like I don't know uh, redeemed or whatever, I don't know that it needed to be one of the themes of this episode. Yeah, that's I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. I think that's fair um, because I don't think they nail it. If they nailed it, I'd be like, great. So I don't know, <laughs> but I'm having yeah. I'm having a hard time being convinced that it's a beneficial piece of the show to bring the hunt into the episode as a sort of theme or dichotomy. Oh, I don't think it's beneficial at all. <laughs> I think it's a little more neutral than you do for me, mm-hmm. but I I don't, but I guess the only other way that I can look at it or rationalize it is that because it's just explicitly coming from Craven, if you're not looking at it from the perspective of this trying to be like a statement of an ep- of, of, of a meta episode theme, which it definitely is. So like, this is kind of a kind of a not this is kind of a bad faith argument but (laughs) like if but it does it does i can see this as 
for a character like Craven who frames everything from the perspective of hunts and hunting and stuff, even yeah. when it's not necessarily about that. This is him trying to appeal to Punisher in the best way that he knows how, based on the little information that he has about him, which is just like trying to appeal to his trying to break down his ego a little bit that it's like you think you're above the law and you're just you're not you're, not, you're just a vigilante and mm-hmm. then also like but the best way that craven understands everything is by hunting and i guess he figures that that's the connection that they do both have because they are both types of hunters yeah and then he's just trying to spell out to him the way that their hunts are different i don't think that he really delivers that message very well and <laughs> obviously like punisher is just like whatever <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. phase him at all but <laughs> but 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 it doesn't phase him now, um, and that's, like, the first attempt to get through to him. And then the attempt that does get through to him later on is, like, Dr. Crawford's attempt, which takes a more sympathetic, less, like, accusatory – well, it's still accusatory, but, like, a more sympathetic role to kind of make a similar a- appeal, I guess, later on. Yeah. It, it's the it's really the only thing in this episode that, that I think swings and misses. Like, other than that, like, everything else in this works yeah. totally fine for me, so. Yeah. I yeah. saying it hurts it I think probably uh maybe too strong of a statement but uh it, it's really the only thing sure. <laughs> that I really struggle with sure. and, it, and, and it, it could just be me still not getting it <laughs> It's a complicatedly written line that does not help at all Yeah <laughs> I think that, that 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 hurts it a lot it's a weirdly written one for sure at the very least, it's done within the context of a very well animated fight sequence oh yes that they're doing on this rooftop which kind of um kind of uh, climaxes <laughs> with uh Punisher restraining Craven in a net. Craven drops a Francis Bacon quote about revenge. Sure, why not? Of it's, course. It's it's a saying it's a foolish reason to hunt. You do you, Craven. <laughs> but uh Punisher escapes the rooftop um and Craven escapes the net. Uh, he does sniff some of the hair left behind on the glue and vows to find man spider. Yes. Uh this is uh one of the contributing scenes or or clips is probably more accurate to the opening sequence. Uh-huh. I believe the Punisher shooting something comes from this scene. Yeah, yeah, like pulls out a missile and, and shoots him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It so is. So right after that we get this rapid fire sequence of scenes that sort of just I think serve to establish what each character is doing next so that they can move on to sort of the ultimate outcome of all these events really Mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna list them because there's really not much more to each one of them other than what's (laughs) like a couple seconds if that so this is what happens all in a matter of literally seconds Mm -hmm. harry visits mary jane at her request Um, i have one thing about this before you move on sorry sorry she explicitly says she invited harry over because she says, Harry, you're Peter's best friend. I didn't know who else to call. Since when the fuck is Peter <laughs> Harry's best friend and vice versa? Because yeah, this is a whole not thing. not very established in this show. A whole thing we talked about in the first season that they're just like really toxic to each other a lot. And yeah. Harry's a big weenie for the most part. <laughs> and yep. they moved in together only because for like two seconds only because like Norman needed someone to be Harry's roommate that was responsible. And Peter's like, I, or Harry's like, I guess I'll choose Peter because he's kind of responsible. And that's like it. <laughs> so, I wonder if this is like essentially a retconning of that dynamic. I think because so. Because I, I think they move forward as friends without any mm-hmm. sort of like explanation, buildup or redemption for the two of like for that relationship. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think that's probably, I, I don't know if it's meant to be that, but I think it probably serves that purpose. I think so. And <laughs> and if you think about it, who else would be considered Peter's best friend? They haven't like established anybody yeah. that Peter's friends with that he isn't either awkwardly trying to date or that just like bicker constantly. So yeah. I mean, I, I guess maybe Harry is the most stable friendship that he has. Yeah. They, I, when you when you say it like that, they almost had to fix that. Yeah, yeah. He, he he would literally only have Mary Jane, which is fine, but it doesn't really leave you that much room yeah. for different kinds of stories. So I guess moving <laughs> forward, if this is a retcon, which it, it is, I'm yeah. glad that that's probably a smarter decision storytelling wise to just be like, we'll just say they're friends. They were fr- they became best friends off screen. They had a really nice like movie night one time, and they're yeah. like, hey, we like each other. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. That's all it takes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so after that, we see Punisher beginning a war journal entry. I haven't dug in, but the numbers for the entries have to be significant. Oh, maybe. There's, I didn't there's something. Because like most of them, not all of them, most of them are 1994 or 1993 or something like that. And there are a couple other variations that I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's probably like a production production reference in there that we might just never be privy to because it could literally just be like births of (laughs) production babies or something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. craven calls dr crawford to let her know that he is in fact tracking man spider there's a news cast that reports peter parker is still missing so this is a news story that peter parker is missing aunt may watches that and worries and man spider sadly scratches the parker residence window as she watches the newscast he just wants to go home yes Mm. i feel so bad for him (laughs) yeah well man spider then climbs through one of the windows of the watson's house um (laughs) (laughs) that's not great no (laughs) he sees he sees mary jane and harry like through there so he's still like love struck so that's impulse that he's following is trying to get to her harry attempts to stop man spider and gets knocked unconscious mary jane pleads with man spider and when he leaves uh through the back window listening to her appeal mary jane after calling harry a brave fool <laughs> then mentions uh that she suspects that man spider somehow recognized her which is strange and i'm curious to know if that ever comes up again we'll see <laughs> Manspider then finds the battle van and attacks it, which causes the Punisher to drive off a cliff. <laughs> yay! Um, yay! Uh, poor battle van. I know. Um, it's pretty wrecked. Yeah. Manspider grabs the Punisher from the battle van wreckage and spins him inside a silk cocoon. <gasps> and, you know, lifts him above his arms just like he did the Neogenic Recombinator. Man, it's Another such a... victory. It's... It's pretty creepy and well done. And this this is the one yep. that I was mentioning earlier where it's like he's like holding him up and there's like lightning crashing in the background. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> well, we find out that where the Punisher goes from there is some sort of like web covered interior space. We can't really see all that mm. much of it. There's It's like kind of rubbly. It looks a little bit ruined. Definitely concrete, but other than that, it's covered with web. So it's just sort of this creepy spider cave. That's so cool. It's so cool. It's very cool, very creepy, 
I dig it, but it's gross. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine like how much they had to do so much for this episode? Because not only did they have to have the man spider design, mm-hmm. they have to be playing with like like Craven and Punisher. And Punisher is like with and without his trench coat, like in different scenes. Yeah. And they have to do like these new backgrounds, like a webbed a like web spider layer background. Yeah. They had to do so much new stuff in this. And all of it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, it is a very good looking episode. Very, very good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with a lot of the stuff that they opted to go for, um, yeah. as opposed to just you know more warehouses. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> but Punisher's hanging upside down in this web uh, cave, in his sort of like silk cocoon, wiggling about trying to escape, um, but he can't because he's all wrapped up. But you know who can help him escape? Craven. Yay! Yay! So Craven cuts him free and encourages the Punisher to work alongside him. And the Punisher is like, yeah, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we could do this. The team up we were all asking for, the Punisher and Craven the Hunter. Yes, I knew when we started this podcast that someday we'd cover the team up of the century. This one. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the Punisher, who's a big old dummy, is like, I see a camera hanging from web. I'm going to pull it down because whatever, um, vibrating the webby layer. Um, Craven literally screams at him to do not vibrate the web. Yep. It's too late. Man Spider finds them and attacks both of them. Um, and through a series of them all tackling each other, the both of them, uh, Punisher and Craven, are able to slow Man Spider down enough for Punisher to shoot an electrified restraint that's just like literally just like lightning. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Sure. <laughs> but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I love uh, anytime they do a human-sized web with the sort of like vibrating mechanic thing. Yeah. Like one of my favorite movie moments is in The Amazing Spider-Man when he builds that massive web underground in the sewer system oh my gosh so i was so happy about this even though it's like i don't know it's just like a very minor moment Mm -hmm. i love that they included it i love it so much it's the most spidery thing i feel like spider-man does when he's when he's a monster or not and i just i love it so much it's such a cool detail yeah yeah oh you know what i just thought about this but webbing stuff just reminded me of it Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of so Man Spider shoots his own organic web, obviously, out of his yeah. hands, which is neat. It, and it's, you know, it looks exactly, it looks and sounds exactly like Spider-Man's does. My, like, headcanon for it is that the, there's been, like, different points in the mythology that I think has been, like, retcon in and out. But, like, I know that they've tried to explain Peter's ability to build web shooters sometimes as being, like, oh, the spider that bit him, part of his spider powers was also, like, gaining, like, the knowledge and expertise for, mm. like, how to generate web fluid, essentially. Sure. So I like – but I like the idea that if this is, a gen, uh, like, a genetic um, mutation – was from his spider powers if if part of his uh, the spider bite was to give him that knowledge for like how it works then he's he was essentially like thinking of like how the organic webbing would form from like what would be his ultimate final form like what was going to be his natural evolution into this whoa yeah so like him building his web shooters like the man spider was always going to be shooting webbing out of its hands just because hmm. of the weird mutation and spider-man just like had that knowledge like essentially like embedded into his dna of like what his final form would be doing. Dang. Yeah. Whoa, I dig that. This episode's great. 
This is so fun. I'm like, um, I enjoyed this episode a lot, but I enjoyed it in such a different way. And now I'm like, really like, <laughs> I feel like, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go back and watch it three more times. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I guess like, <laughs> like I, I was, I was ready to praise it, but I, uh, I'm, I'm, I surprise makes it seem like I don't think it deserves to be considered good, but I'm like surprised that it's in contention as like your favorite. Yeah. So, uh, damn. It's just got all the stuff that I like in yeah. things. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's good. I'm. It's my my power of persuasion is working on you. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't try to. I wouldn't try to argue it away from you. I'm. I'm. I'm just like now thinking a lot. Um. I, and I. I. I don't know if it could topple where you know what my my current favorite is, but uh, still, still good. It was already up there. What do you consider your current favorite? I think Hydro Man is probably my current favorite. Yeah, that one. I feel it's. Di- I mean. That one is still really good. That one's sort of like its own thing for me because it's such mm-hmm. a unique episode. I think I was still considering like Menace of Mysterio to be like my favorite mm. and Hydra Man <laughs> sort of like its own kind of yeah. weird tier because it's just kind of a, it's just a masterpiece. Yeah. Like I guess it's like number one by default, but I feel like it's like number like 1000 instead or <laughs> I guess negative one. Th- I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I, Ranking, I get you. Rankings are stupid. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just really oh man, I just really dig this. No, that's that's good. I uh, I yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, it's like w- when you like something and then you meet somebody who's like, I fucking love that, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not like I'm not going to argue against you and say that you, say that it's bad because I don't think that. Yeah, it's just uh, varying levels of excitement yeah. over it. It's just ticking. It ticks. It ticks different boxes for different people. And I have, I do have very particular. Yeah. No, I, I, I love how much you love it. <laughs> I have very particular boxes that get checked in things sometimes. Yeah. And it's just check in most, if not all of them. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. It's like, uh, it, I, I don't know. Like, how do you like cake more? And you're like telling me how to like cake <laughs> more. And it's like working. <laughs> like, like, oh shit. I didn't realize I could like cake more. <laughs> so anyway, uh, um, where, where even are we? Um, 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 literal lightning. Okay. Yeah. So so Punisher, of course, you know, is going to like murder him because he's a homicidal maniac still. Um, and Craven's like, no, do not hurt him. And, and, uh, Craven is trying to just, just like explain to him that this is, this is not his fault. We're trying to help him. And Punisher's like, oh, he won't feel any pain because I'm going to disintegrate him. My God. (laughs) Like, geez, dude. Oh man. Also corny corny punisher (laughs) punisher is pretty like punisher is a weird level of like badass where he's so badass that he's corny like he's so grimdark that it's just like (laughs) over the top but also like kind of i feel like he needs to be like that's just like you can't do punisher without it just being like yeah okay we get it you have trauma and it drives you to kill everyone okay okay we get it Um, but Craven does like restrain, try to restrain him before he can actually disintegrate Spider-Man. And that's when Dr. Crawford makes like this really epic entrance out of the shadows. Like yeah. this like model walk on her heels. It's uh-huh. it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Enter Dr. Crawford. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the legit hero of this episode too. Yes. Yes. It's funny too, because like we are introduced to Dr. Crawford far far before these events mm-hmm. and i would not have thought that she was as cool as she is <laughs> like, right and she's very cool and very awesome and very important yeah well and you know i remember kind of 
casually joking about how like weirdly calm she was in the like mm-hmm. the last few episodes but i'm realizing maybe that's just like her character type like that's just who she yeah. is she is just like ridiculously calm in every single situation yeah which is why she's a perfect person to just walk into a a web spider layer with just like guys i got this <laughs> mm-hmm. dr crawford's goals i guess <laughs> like, if i could be as calm as dr crawford uh i would i'd be living a lot easier yeah yeah Yeah. she also um just like is the punisher whisperer i guess she destroys him with just a few words oh yeah (laughs) yes doctor so dr crawford basically says like i know who you are and i know what happened and shares that punisher's family was gunned down by rival gangs like just through crossfire like they were not involved it was totally collateral damage and she says to him, nothing you're going to do now can bring them back. And the Punisher really felt that. Like, he starts crying. Yeah. Dr. Crawford makes the Punisher cry. <laughs> Love it. Here for it. Super human is what she is. <laughs> <laughs> um, she then says that Man Spider is an innocent victim, just like the Punisher's family was. And if what he does is protect innocence... He should be protecting Man Spider and helping, not hurting. Ooh. And it works. Right through the heart. It works. Like, my God, it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's the thing. Again, I'm not going to try to defend that the, the, the annoying exchange with Craven earlier, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's supposed, it's kind of like indirect contrast with that because every way that he was trying, Craven was trying to appeal to Punisher about all this hunting stuff. That doesn't really work because even though Punisher on the outset is all about all about hunting and killing and yeah. fighting and stuff, that's not really what his issue is. It has nothing to do with like honor or the love of fighting and killing. It is all like buried down to this like really sad like loss of innocence thing that he's dealing with. Yeah. And Dr. Crawford's like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, like Craven and Punisher were play- like almost playing different games, and so you couldn't really combat what he was doing. But Doctor Crawford knew exactly what game Punisher was playing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Came with a plan. Yep, yep, yep. So this convinces Punisher to let Doctor Crawford administer the antitoxin. Yo, the sequence <laughs> though. <laughs> this is wild. So. The Punisher and Craven end up holding Manspider down so that she can, in fact, administer the antitoxin. And Manspider immediately begins to transform back into Spider-Man. The arms? Ugh. That's like, that's stuff I would have expected out of Spectacular. Not this uh-huh. show. Uh-huh. Like, they do their weird sort of like gross Acura sort of like sucking limbs back in instead of Ugh. exploding out sort of animation. <laughs> like, yep. Whoa. Yep. And it's actually like pretty smooth for this show. It is. I was I I watched it many times. Yeah. Uh, and it's gruesome and horrifying and flawless and flawless. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And yeah. also, there's a point during the transformation where Man Spider has Peter hair, and it's it's hilarious. so funny. <laughs> so they have that too. I do. That's the thing that I, I, I did not remember very much from this episode from like watching it as a kid. That, that you remembered image, that? I remembered the <laughs> hair on his head because I remembered it being so weird to what? see Peter hair on the man spider. That image stuck with me so 
much. Like even going into this and knowing like that he was going to transform, like that wow. was the thing that I was like waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, if this episode has proven nothing else, my brain works in mysterious ways. No, it, it truly was written for you. Yeah. <laughs> Down to the man spider Peter wig. <laughs> it does look like a wig. It looks like they just stuck a wig on the man spider. <laughs> How else would it be there? <laughs> I just it's it's so strange. <laughs> but it's also like proportioned to the size of man spider's head, which yeah. is like the size of four human heads. <laughs> like right. it's just oh, it's so wild. <laughs> yes. Yes. Flawless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. I like the little bit where Crawford is so, um, she's so protective of Spider-Man because he obviously doesn't have his mask on. So she tells Punisher to like cover his face with his jacket or co- yeah, cover his face with Punisher's jacket. But Punisher is like, well, had his mask for a trophy, but I guess since I'm not going to kill him, I'll <laughs> give it back to him. So he completes his uh, transformation back onto Spider-Man with his mask on. And he comes to, and this is the moment you were alluding to before. Like he sees, he sees Crawford, he sees Craven, he sees Punisher, but then he sees the skull on Punisher's sh- uh, shirt. And he has like this visceral, like primal mm-hmm. fear moment where he's just like terrified and like yeah. backing away from him until Crawford calms him down. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense, but it caught me off guard. Yeah. I, you know, Dr. Crawford is more the character that I thought Dr. Connors was yeah. than Dr. Connors actually is. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I remember Dr. Connors being a, a big part of this for some reason, but he's really not. She's a huge part of this. Yeah. And yeah. she's, like you said, she's that protective that for some reason I was assuming Dr. Connors was. Right. But also isn't that much right right like not that he's not it it's just like not that big a deal like he's not a big part of the story yeah i mean well in her her protectiveness i mean i hate this is like almost comes off as a little bit like sexist but like her protectiveness is very like motherly whereas like where it's just sort of like i'm i'm caring or no you know what no i'm not even gonna go with that it's a lot more of like a doctor caring for her patient yeah like whereas dr connor is it's sort of like He's just doing a dude a favor who helped him at one point. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, Dr. Connors actually cares for Spider-Man, like, as her patient that she's trying to heal and cure. Um, And Dr. Connors was just like, I mean, you told me to run some tests, so I ran some tests. There you go. It's fascinating. Right, right, right. It's science. Whereas Dr. Crawford's like, you're a person. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's great. It it could be that, you know, that's an incidental result of her being a female character. But uh, I do think you're nailing sort of the actual characteristics of, of what they do and how they treat the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, no matter what, like whatever the like the prerogative was for it, like it works in the scenario because this is the sort of character that you needed here. Like she's yeah. essentially like the the kind of glue that holds everything together. <laughs> and, oh, like, yeah. The ultimate mediator for everything. And like I said, she's, she's pretty much the hero of this story. Like, let's be real. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and that mediator role, like we see it right right there and then in this moment because mm-hmm. as Pete, well, as Spider-Man, is sort of freaking out at the sight of Punisher and the skull, Dr. Crawford immediately jumps to action and is like, no, 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 no. Like, you have nothing to be afraid of. He helped you. We all helped you. Like, we are your friends. We're on your side, um, which which does serve to to calm Spider-Man down. Mm-hmm. 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 
she also explains she they take a long time to explain why Craven calls her Calypso. Yeah, because he does that. It's just a thing that happens. And I don't I, really. <laughs> I'm very confused by it because I looked up what Calypso typically is in the Marvel universe, and I'm very very confused. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know Calypso. It wasn't a character I was familiar with. I assume that she. Well, I don't know. Is she a part of Craven's Last Hunt? No. no, no, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. No, I, I was wondering if like maybe I just wasn't aware of her because I haven't read any sort of like Craven stuff. But Calypso is like very different than Doctor Crawford. Yeah. Uh, the only connection I really can see is that Calypso and Craven in the comics were involved in a similar way that Doctor Crawford and Craven are. Mm-hmm. But I it goes wildly differently, and Doctor Crawford is like the nicest, coolest. <laughs> character like chillest character ever and i get the sense just based on a little bit i was reading that calypso is very the opposite of that sure so i i don't know like it you know what it feels like and i was kind of thinking this as i was like reading stuff about the the comics character calypso Mm -hmm. it feels like the type of thing the movies would do now where they want to incorporate a character Mm -hmm. but don't want to make that character or can't you know can't make that character a big version of what they are inspired by so they're sure. like well this is or like um uh, this is a bad example the, the friends call me mj is a bad example but it's sort of like that where it's like i'm going to casually mention that your name is something or other character from the comics and you're like yeah. oh, i can see that you're a doctor like <laughs> yeah right right no yeah so, that, that's that's definitely there yeah kind of kind of trying to play when play in the reference without actually like doing it for real yeah and it, and it seems and it, this does like seem like one of those lines that were written kind of backwards because they wanted because all it because the only significance that it has for anything is to lead into spider-man just being like well you saved my life yeah <laughs> you know like that's it yeah. um just to have like a more natural way to do that rather than him just immediately jumping in and hugging her i guess like just transition it is it's just it's not a bit it's it's in an episode full of people quoting quoting literature and making references yeah. so it's not like out of place it's more weird for like how how long and elaborate that explanation is for not really any particular reason and i'm also pretty sure that craven called her calypso multiple times in his initial episode and, and oh. spider-man was never asked about it either mm. i think that was just his nickname for her i think i could be i could just be remembering yeah. like past and future uh, past and future episodes but yeah well what's funny is like since i remember so little of dr crawford i'm like worried that whatever her whatever she's inspired by mm-hmm. is where her character goes in this show and i just don't remember it um sure but i I know. I, I know i know roughly how she's used later in the show i believe i won't spoil it i like one way or another though i mean but i could also be misremembering because there's some like later season stuff that i really don't remember vividly sure but i know like when she appears later so we'll we'll, we'll... (laughs) if she ends up getting to that point i will be very curious to see how they do it yeah so i'm I'm worried but intrigued yeah this is one of those cases like in spectacular when like i'm sure there's like a listener just being like oh my god oh my god how do you not yeah. how do you not know this yeah, whatever <laughs> it's fine that's why it's fun to to watch these with like vague memories because they're almost going in almost going into it blindly and being surprised yeah so. it's weird it's like weird the stuff that i that you definitely know and then weird the things that you just like i said just like forget about like i just uh-huh. kind of forgot about dr crawford yeah sue me there's whole episodes of this <laughs> show that i know that i have vividly like memorized from like start to finish yeah. and then there's some episodes where like when i'm just scrolling through future ones i'm just like i don't <laughs> i don't remember this one ever existing 
I'm assuming that I yeah. saw it at some point, but I have zero memory of anything. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awkward, but it does lead to a very sweet um, hug that Spider-Man gives Crawford. Would have been better if he was the man spider. Should have stayed that way because he would have given a way better hug. But mm-hmm. I understand that he likes his <laughs> bodybuilder Adonis body and he wants to be in that instead. And he just oh, gives wait. him a little hug. No, we have to talk about that. We have to talk about that. <laughs> that would be the single greatest cosplay for like somebody in the real world who is a bodybuilder. <laughs> to have like the torn up costume post man spider, but, but back in Peter Parker's body. It's it's the single reason I would ever consider like maybe I should get super buff would literally just be to pull off that cosplay because it would Yo. be so funny and no one would even get it but it would be so funny. Oh, that's great! Oh, that's so good! Yeah, it'd be such a little deep cut. Oh my god, people right? have done deeper cuts for cosplays and, and we'll oh still for get it. sure people, some people would get that. Like that's I that's hope. great. Ah. Uh so good such a funny it would be such a funny cosplay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man oh man after this we get an, an, a very interesting scene where the uh, the punisher begins to walk away and, and you know this is while crawford is kind of tending to spider-man um and craven craven goes after punisher to convince him that he did do the right thing like don't feel bad spider-man is innocent like if it makes you feel any better he, he also did not kidnap anyone either so like you did nothing wrong. You did everything right. And the Punisher still like it doesn't doesn't help. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, but through this little conversation, though, Punisher does like ask, like, how did you like know that I was here? Um, that's when um, Craven goes into this neat little explanation where like they knew that the Webby Lair was in the World Trade Center parking garage because he smelled the scent of gunpowder on Man Spider's webbing, and that gunpowder scent was left behind from the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Um, he just kind of, like, casually alludes to it. Just like I think he said just, like, a bombing from, from a few years ago that happens in this building. Mm-hmm. Not that this is any surprise, but this is one of the things that were cut out of this show after 9-11 when it ran in reruns. So the ABC family and Toon Disney runs of this Punisher just uh, like says that like it doesn't help, or I think he says like it isn't. Like when Craven mm-hmm. is saying like does it does it make you feel any better? And he just says like it isn't, and then the scene just cuts off, um, which kind of sucks because it ends it on kind of a sour note. Because in the full version of the scene, after after Craven explains that, we get a shot of the World Trade Center where they are, and Craven says that the two would be magnificent together. So it ends on kind of a nice little note, but instead in the the edited version, it just ends with Punisher leaving like kind of angrily and then that's it, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. I understand yeah. obviously why they cut it because it's not a, sure. that's a touchy subject people did not want to hear about in like 2005, so, but it kind of sucks. But uh, at least it's, it's back in, in the Disney Plus cut. Yeah. It's on the Disney Plus one. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, it I, so specific uh more specific to the real world than the show really ever gets to this point yeah because i i wasn't thinking that i needed an explanation i just figured like craven found the lair from his hunting yeah. abilities so it's interesting that they that they spent so much time explaining it i'm not mad about it because no a really i'm not cool either detail. it's clever yeah it's really clever it's just and and it is it's it's also interesting because this show, in a lot of ways, doesn't really try to be super 90s about a lot of stuff. It definitely is. But, like, yeah. it's not intentionally trying to be contemporary in a lot of cases. It just yeah. usually is incidentally. So it's interesting that this is one of the few times that they really call out an explicit event that happened very recently and explicitly say it happened very recently, you know? Yeah. Hmm. 
interesting choice, but yeah. So the episode does end with Spider-Man looking over Dr. Crawford and Sergey and with Christopher Daniel Barnes breaking his 20 minute silence. (laughs) I was wondering if he was ever going to speak. (laughs) And he says basically to Crawford and Sergey, but from above, thank you for giving me back my life. What a beautiful day this is going to be. I feel lucky to be alive and lucky to be who I am. Spider-Man. And the episode ends. Without it to be continued, right? Yeah, yeah, even though, you know, it has to be because there's still a lot going on. But yeah, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice little note. He still yeah. would have given better hugs as Man Spider, but I, I will. It's his body, his choice. So <laughs> I'll leave him with that. Yeah. <laughs> also, throw just to throw it out there. If you're watching this on Disney Plus and you're just going to autoplay to the next episode, the episodes are out of order. The mm. next one that they have listed is episode 11. Um, you do have to like manually switch it to um, the next episode, episode nine. They have like episode 11 and 12, and then they have nine and 10 after that for some reason. Weird. And it's not like a case where it was like aired out of order or whatever. That's just a weird Disney Plus mistake. Hmm. As far as Good I know, know, at least. Yeah, as far as I know, that's that's their mistake. And it doesn't, I mean, they're clearly listed as Neogenic Nightmare chapter 11 and stuff. So like, <laughs> it's pretty easy to figure out <laughs> yeah. when you see it. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Disney Plus. I know. <laughs> Get it together. Right, right. Well, faces of the episode. There's a few good ones. Um, <laughs> talk about the one you picked out. I like it. Uh, Craven makes a comment about the way New York smells <laughs> and then makes a face of smelling New York. And it's really just like the face you'd expect somebody to make when they smell something bad, like mm-hmm. a fart or New York City. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I live in Cleveland. It smells worse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good face and it's funny that they distinctly like made it so that he was obviously sniffing because <laughs> he could have yeah. just made the comment and it would have been fine <laughs> yep 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 yeah you know, this was like 1995 and i feel like in the media portrayal of new york there was like that point in like from the 80s through early 90s where yeah. like new york was just like always disgusting looking in movies yeah. and tv shows and yeah. then like I think more or less after like nine eleven, like it was just like let's throw him a bone. And New York is in now, and up to this day, portrayed as pretty pristine and beautiful and place you yeah. want to go and everything. The reality is that it's somewhere in the middle. But it's funny <laughs> that this is squarely this is squarely in the in the like New York is just a disgusting trash pit that everyone just <laughs> loves for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess like technically. Craven could have said that about any major city because he like true. lives in the wilderness. That's true. Uh, so That's I suspect true. he would have said it about L.A. or Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true, very true. The next one we both <laughs> we both picked out. Actually. How could you not? I know it's so you good. Must. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's the face when Flash gets burned by Deborah. Yes. <laughs> she uh, and uh, it's right after she literally sprints away. <laughs> so. <laughs> But he just, like, bares his teeth and closes one of his eyes. Like, he just, like, is actually, like, grimacing in pain. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a really extreme reaction to an otherwise not that extreme burn. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, considering he just saw her literally sprint down the hallway, I guess j- extreme reactions are just their vibe. Maybe he's having secondhand embarrassment for her running away. <laughs> he's like, actually, ooh, that's a weird look. <laughs> that actually makes a lot more sense. <laughs> You do you, Flash. Yeah. Yeah. 
Last one, it's another Craven face. Um, it's during the very well animated sequence of Punisher and Craven fighting and like grappling each other and and tussling with each other and wrestling and rolling all over each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when Craven is caught in the net, it's just like a good frame because he's like bearing all of his teeth and they're all divided out more explicitly than they normally are in this show. And top row and bottom row are are bared, and he even has like a little fang. And his there's just a lot of lines on his face, like an insane amount of lines. His iris and pupil are like super tiny. Like one of his eyes are drooping down. It's just like, I don't even know if I'd call it like bad. It's just like, there's just a lot. There's just a lot happening. I don't think it's bad. I think this is this is the, the kind of screen grab you could show somebody and convince them you were watching anime. That's true. Yeah, it's very it's very anime. Yeah. Like they wouldn't question you unless they already knew what the show was. The only right. thing that's giving it away is like I guess a little bit of the hair and the eyes aren't especially like in that style, but yeah. everything else is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, even the pupil thing is sort of <laughs> sort of like an anime thing when somebody's like extreme reacting or like yeah. raging out. <laughs> yeah. That whole, oh man, that whole sequence is so well done. There's even a point in that sequence where like Punisher's bangs are just moving as he's walking. <laughs> it's such a little detail, but yeah. like their their hair is not usually moving that much unless the wind's blowing no. or whatever. And it's right. just like casually swaying as it normally would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's some really really wonderfully animated stuff in this episode. Yeah, so funny where they end up putting their their animation efforts. <laughs> I think it makes sense though, because Hydro yeah. Man will be hard to animate, Man Spider hard to animate, and be to an extent Beast hard to animate. And they put all of their like they seem to be putting all hands on deck for those characters. And in, in the Hydro Man, in the cases of this episode, the whole episode. Yeah, I guess I should say it's not weird where they end up putting them. It's weird or more disappointing that they had to decide to take from other places to give to those you know what i mean like like uh it's it's only weird in the sense that you're like i wish you could have just been this good the whole time i know you can't just magically have that but uh well it's it's such a bummer when you see an episode because it's sort of like when it's really well animated in the back of your head you're like that means the next one is going to look like garbage probably because you're right it's how it i mean yeah it's how it works i mean it's cool that they at least will get a couple that are really well done each season i'm hoping is how it's how it's going to trend yeah but man at least like when it looks good it looks really good yeah yes for for sure yeah, so I feel like you know what my my feelings on this episode are yeah. uh, in general. How how are you feeling at the end of it after after breaking it down? It's so funny because I was ready to come in here and be like, "This was such a good episode," and I'm still going to say that because I think it was such a good episode. <laughs> but I thought I w- I was like wondering if I was going to be like inordinately high on the episode because I felt like it was a really good episode, partially because it doesn't get too complicated and it balances everything really really well it's already established everybody who's playing in the episode so it kind of can just move forward with the events of the episode which was kind of refreshing to just be like oh this episode just is a plot it just is a thing that's happening and they're doing it really really well and all the pieces are moving in ways that make sense sure and i was wondering if i was going to be rating it too high given what i thought or given that I thought it was sort of casting some of its thematic stuff aside um, in favor of like just doing a fun episode. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the the sort of like weird relativity thing where I'm like, man, I thought I was coming in like 
almost too high. Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm glad. <laughs> like I'm I'm glad that I wasn't. I, no, I liked it a lot. This was a really really fun episode to watch. I watched it more times than I typically do. I mean, I watch these episodes multiple times anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like excited to continue watching it. Yeah. Multiple times. So I like this one a lot. I do yeah. think the stuff that. Um, the only stuff that gets in the way is the stuff where it does try to insert those things that I think it was benefiting from not focusing on like that, 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 uh, that Craven Punisher interaction that I still can't wrap my mind around, but I don't think it damages the episode around it. I think it just makes that moment very bizarre and, and confusing for me. But other than that, like, God, this one's fun. Yeah. <laughs> really fun and well done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I have to imagine, yeah, that's that stuff. I uh, yeah, I understand where you're coming from with some of the logical stuff and the weird lines, but it didn't. And it for me, it didn't really bother me enough to uh, to take away from the enjoyment of everything. And I have to imagine that after this is all over, Doctor Crawford and Craven and Punisher and Microchip respectively are each having like a really good fuck. Yes. Like, it just seems like this is the perfect, <laughs> it seems like they, they had an experience where they're all very emotionally vulnerable in a way where like they actually would be very good partners for each other Yeah, and have a yeah. very sensual time. So many beautiful matches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like this episode a lot. It's, it's, it's good. It is good. It is well, good. Was there anything else you wanted to throw in? No, I'm just saying okay. it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you like us a lot, uh, thanks for hanging out for these nearly two hours and stick with us and check out all the things we're doing. Um, One thing you can do, one way you can check us out, see even more good stuff is by checking us out on Patreon. If you like what we're doing and you want more of it and you want to support us in different ways, check us out at patreon.com slash Walloping Web Snappers and see what might be right for you on Patreon. Cool, 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 cool. In the meantime, if you would like to find us individually, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. And you can also find me on YouTube under my show Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibouli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, tweeting about all kinds of things. And if you like Pokemon stuff, you can find me on another podcast here on the Four-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just sort of as we feel like it. Um, That's it. That's all I have for that. Cool. I don't know why I thought I had more. Uh, well, if you'd like to follow Walloping Web Snappers, you can follow our show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Send any fan art, questions, um, concerns, feedback our way. We would love to see it and hear it. Uh, Man Spider fan art, I'd be down with. Craven and Microchip fan art, I'd also be down with. There's so um, many shippy fan arts you could send us from this. Honestly, we'd not... We're not, we're not, we wouldn't turn down any of it. If you're like, is this too weird or creepy? No. No, it's not. No. I I want, I demand, and I'm not kidding. I demand an orgy of everyone in this episode. Mm. Everyone. Speaking of Except maybe Flash. You can leave Flash Flash. out. Yeah, no, not Flash, not Flash. But everyone else. Yeah. In the man spider web, uh, web layer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't vibrate the web. 
vibrate each other. <laughs> um, on that note, if you'd <laughs> like to give us a one-star rating after that, you sure can. Uh, we would love it if you could please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the best place. I'm sure you've heard this on every podcast ever, but it's the best place to find podcasts. The better the rating, uh, the better and easier it is for people to find us. Um, a review would also be super helpful. Uh, yeah, so if you want to support our show, that's the easiest way to do it. Otherwise, we will be back next week with yet another Marvel hero who makes their entrance to help with all this vampire madness in Blade the Vampire Hunter. Hmm. See you then. See ya.